a lot of film can be taking. Mm. Like they, the stories just can tend to take. They take, they take, they take. So my goal is always to um, to give or return something um, to communities. Like that's really my goal with anything, that, uh, indigenous material or um, cultural material or queer material. Um, I wouldn't say I speak for everyone or represent everyone uh, because I can't. It's impossible. Our communities are not monolithic. Mm-hmm. Uh, any community is not monolithic. And uh, I, because I'm part of different communities, um, you know, people don't always agree with what I'm saying or doing. Sure. Just because no one agrees with everyone 100% of the time. Um, but I always kind of keep it in my heart when I'm making work to, to be as open and transparent and honest and collaborative as possible. Wildhood is the story of a queer Mi'kmaq teen named Link who flees his abusive father with his little brother in tow, searching for the mother he thought had died. It opens the Atlantic International Film Festival tonight, and its writer-director, Bretton Hannum, will drive in from Bear River to join me to talk about being one of the first films to shoot during COVID, gossipy trees, fire safety, and new ways to tell stories. I'm Tara Thorne, and this is The Tideline. Welcome to Mid-Month. The film festival starts tonight, which is very exciting. And if you missed last week, that's when I dropped my picks, so go back and check that one. Uh, But I want to shout out all the local filmmakers who have anything at all in the festival. Directors, writers, producers, crew, features, shorts. This is the time when everyone can see what the past year in film has been. And it's always electric to be in the room with people who are about to watch their work. And we get to do that this year. We did not get to last year. A lot of them are often seeing the films for the first time. It is very unlikely that there are local in-person screening tickets left at this juncture, but hit finfestival.ca to check. And it's okay if there aren't any, because you can screen all local films for the duration of the festival through September 23rd. Brett Hannum is waiting to chat about their excellent film, Wildhood, which had its world premiere at TIFF this week and opens Finn tonight. But first, let's do... A little song. Our friends Kestrels are headed out on the road in the United States opening for Bob Mould. No big deal. So here's something from their last record, which is called Dream or Don't Dream. This is Gray and Blue.
You're doing your favorite part, media interviews. Yes, it's <laughs> the part I cherish the most. <laughs> so you drove in here from Bear River. How long have you been there? Um, I grew up there. I've, I left when I was 18 mm-hmm. um, to come up to the city, but I, I moved back recently six years, maybe almost seven, something like that. So I've been there for yeah, six or seven years now. And what appeals to you? I struggle with rural Nova Scotia, having grown, come from there. What appeals to you about being there? Especially um, now that you're doing all these things that take you to, to big cities. <laughs> well, it's nice because it's out of the way, for one. And I work better when things are quiet. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people around, so that I gravitate towards. Um, and then even besides that, I, I'm not uh, particularly party type person. I'm mm-hmm. not going out to a, a, a lot of stuff. Maybe I'm boring. <laughs> um, but I also like trees a lot. Like I really like being close to the forest. Um, I grew up uh, playing in the forest. Like my backyard was like 30 acres or more. I don't know. I can't know. I don't know how much, but it was just a, a giant backyards of woods. We just bike around and go into the woods or go into a lake or go into a stream. So Halifax is very close to all those things. But I find that there's one thing that is around Halifax that's not around Bear River, which is a ton of people all doing the same thing. So if I want to go in the woods here and I live in Halifax, there's like 20 people or 40 people or 80 people. They're like, we are also in the woods. <laughs> I'm like, well, now I can't hear the animals and I I can't tell what's going on. I can't hear the trees whisper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're very gossipy. <laughs> I know that's about you that you love trees from my time at HIF because you also worked at HIF. You're wearing a HIF shirt right now. Shout out Halifax Independent Filmmakers <laughs> Festival. I, d- I am. This is like had a bunch of paint on it. And yeah. I watched it enough that the paint came off. That's so right. Now it's a wearable shirt again. <laughs> so let's talk about Wildhood. Well, actually, let's talk about North Mountain. So your debut film came out in 2015. Was that officially a talent to watch? Yes, it, it was. Or whatever it was called yeah, then, micro budget program? Yes, it was called a micro budget um, I think it was the second year that it ran. Right. It wasn't talent to watch yet. We weren't watchable. No one was watching you. <laughs> no one was watching, <laughs> which was fine because they made a lot of mistakes and, and no one was watching. So right. it's uh, good to have that freedom. That's great. Um, when the eyes are there, you know how it can be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. After making North Mountain, um, how long before you decided to step into a second feature? Because it's a daunting thing, and this one costs a lot more. Like, when you came off of North Mountain, were you immediately like, okay, I, I need to do this again? No. <laughs> I definitely was not in that mindset. Um, you know, that that movie was very challenging. Um, I learned a, a ton, um, but it was also just, it took everything. There was nothing left. I was like a little dust moat floating in the air. <laughs> And it took a couple of years to kind of get my feet back under me and reassess. That's actually about the time that I moved back to Bear River um, and started to just kind of spend time in the forest and be quiet and with myself. And I've worked on a bunch of other, other things, um, writing some prose and things like that, um, and just kind of doing art for the sake of doing it and being creative and... After a while, I was like, maybe I'll do another movie uh, <laughs> if I get the chance. Like, not thinking that, oh, yes, I'm just totally going to 
you know, get the chance to do this again. I had, I had no idea, but I didn't, I didn't expect anything one way or the other. It just kind of was like a thing that unfolded. Right. And what about North Mountain? Um, what, what, I mean, I kind of know, but what, uh, what took it out of you? Like what was, what was challenging about it? Oh, well, if you can name something that, that, uh, could go wrong <laughs> on a set, it was that mm. like, uh, I think we filmed officially out of something like 90 pages. We filmed like maybe just 50 or 51. Wow. Um, so that was a challenge. Um, that was mostly because there were two enormous blizzards and we were shooting in rural Nova Scotia. So that's hard. And then getting equipment and coordinating. And there's whole days that was like, well, it's snowing now or the road is ice and um, the crew can't actually get out of where they're staying because the roads are one feet, like one foot thick of ice. Right. Um, things like that. Um, we had some, uh, some stuff too with um, just coordinating things and that kind of stuff. I mean, really, there's an endless list. <laughs> sure. And I mean, yeah, like we shot in the city, but like your problems, they're just, they just adapt to the place that you're in, the problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they compound sometimes. Sure. <laughs> so Wildhood, which is the film that we're here to talk about, became, started as a short called Wildfire. And what was, um, it's the same, it's the same sort of general framework. What was the impetus be behind, uh, behind that story for you? Um, that's actually a, a weird, it's a, it's a, maybe an unconventional, maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, way that it, that happened is I've been working on the script for Wildhood for 10, 11 years or something like that before we filmed it. Um, and when I brought my producer on board or when he brought me on board, when we teamed up, yes. um, we were talking about doing a short version or something I've never done before, which was. The feature script exists. Now let's make a short to like test things out, like the approaches that we're going to take, how mm -hmm. we're going to work together, how we're going to work with cinematographer, local casting, you know, all these things where we can be more community centric and community involved. And then we uh, ended up making the short, which was a crazy amount of work. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. Short. And, and then, thank you. And then, um, <laughs> After that, uh, then the feature came. So it was kind of like... So it was a proof of concept. It was in a way. It was a proof of concept. I mean, people say and they call say that or like say calling card film. Mm. But it's not like, oh, I have this idea and I'm going to write this short and then we're going to make this short and I want to turn it into a feature. Mm -hmm. It was more like, I have this feature and I have this idea and I have access to a small amount of resources. Let's just kind of test this out. What will it look like? Maybe we'll all be on creative different pages and hate each other. I don't know. Right. So it was more of like a test um, of collaboration mm -hmm. and storytelling. Uh, and then that turned out well. I was happy with that. Um, and then the feature came. And looking at how the... The short developed too in comparison to in, in comparison to the feature. It's a super weird because there's a lot of material mm -hmm. in a feature. And then picking and choosing what moment or what part to do for a short um, 
proof of concept, I guess, would <laughs> would be uh, would be uh, a, a weird thing. It'd be it'd be easy to kind of break into three act structure and say, sure. that, that not I'm not saying there's not a three act structure. I didn't really pay too much attention to that aspect of it. It was more kind of like, what is something that we could distill down as the essence of the larger thing in a smaller thing, without you know touching on 400 themes and motifs, right? Um, so kind of like prioritizing some things like, you know, the language, the relationship, the road trip and, and that kind of stuff. And then, um, letting the rest just be a mystery. Right. There was a fire in that one too, that I was surprised not to see in wildhood. Uh, we do burn things a lot. I think every, <laughs> not everything I've done, but a lot of things that I do have things on fire. Yeah. Or there is a fire. It looks amazing. It always looks good. <laughs> um, so in wildfire, we burned a field. Mm-hmm. And then that was a weird experience, by the way. Yes. Tell me about that. Like, what are what are the permits? What is this process? Uh, you need, like, well, first you need permission from the farmer. Obviously. <laughs> whose field you're going to burn. <laughs> and then, you know, if it's hay season, then that's a, there's extra problems there. And you don't want people trampling it and blah, 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 blah. But he's like, oh, you get $5 a bale for hay and this is going to destroy so many bales. And you're like, okay, we'll compensate you this much. Uh, and if he's okay with it, then the, you got to get the fire department to come. And you need, uh, um, what are they called? <laughs> I was going to say a fire person, but... Like a safety yeah, fire like marshal? A pyro <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. technician sure. person yeah. who knows what they're doing, right? And they're not going to burn everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can tell you the safest way to achieve what you're you're trying to do, which was an interesting experience as well. Um, <laughs> because sometimes you picture shots and you explain shots and then the shot seems to be understood, but then it's not. And you're like, cool, but... Here is what we have. Yeah. Let's just go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there must be an, a- an actor safety question too. Just, just oh, yeah. from working with actor, I know I know the they keep them very safe. Always, always, always. And yes. they couldn't yeah. have want, been like, woo, a fire. We feel mm, great. And yeah. all the all, they're all standing behind it in the line. We keep all <laughs> and we didn't use any actra actors in the short, but we adhere to safety guidelines as closely as possible mm-hmm. and work guidelines as closely as possible. Um, just because they're based on safety and they're they're tried and true, um, but as far as it comes to crew safety, cast safety, that's always first. You know, there was a gun on that that set as well on that mm-hmm. short, and there's kids and gun, and it's like, yeah, no, we had an armor um, uh, who was a fantastic guy. You know, he was in he was on, helping on North Mountain. He came out on the short. I think he came out on the, on Wildhead. Um, I, I can't remember, and everything's a blur to me these days. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot of safety around that and what you can and cannot do and someone overseeing it. So that just takes a lot of pressure off of the actors, the crew, the, the cast, the crew, that everyone feels safe, mm-hmm. and then I'm not worrying about it either. Yeah. Then you can just be like, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, I, I, I worry a lot. I'm like, is that, that too close to that? And they're like, no, this is this is safe. There's nothing's going to happen. I'm like, but it looks pretty close. They're like, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, you do know your job better than I know it, so I trust you. <laughs> so was part of the proof of concept idea proving that you could, um, was it to get the money, to get the budget for this next one? Um, for Wildhood. That was part of it, yeah. Uh, the idea was, I think... 
all of those things that I explained already, you know, mm-hmm. about the, co- the collaboration, the way we're going to tell the story um, and the, th- the things that we're going to approach with uh, the material. But then a part of it was if it goes well at festivals and plays a, a ton of festivals, then you can say, hey, people that have large checkbooks, um, look at this sensational thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and get money like that. Uh, Is that what happened? uh, It's not what happened, exactly. (laughs) Um, We were kind of having those conversations and and getting things to play. It did not hurt. I I won't say that at all. But it certainly, I don't think it was, I mean, and I can't speak for what people decide behind the scenes uh, because I I don't know and I don't even know who they are at all. (laughs) But um, it doesn't hurt to have that finished to say this is the movie I want to tell this is a short version of it it has played at this festival this festival but it was kind of just at the start of that it hadn't gone to a lot of places so but it was a thing that we could include in our mm-hmm. material mm-hmm. and more than that at the pitch this um what do you call it event mm-hmm. at TIFF it was something that we could extract a little clip to play behind our pitch you know we had this material instead of I don't know, a, a slideshow of like, this will be a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> Here's an approximation of what it will look <laughs> like that fire. I took from the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or clip art. <laughs> Here's so much of clip art. Um, and that can be fine, but like we happen to have this great resource that we had created together. So it became kind of a natural touch point. If it was like, well, how are we going to do this? Well, this is how we did it in the short, you know, and we had worked with a different cinematographer and wildfire who was unfortunately not available um, when, well, fortunately, unfortunately, because our cinematographer for Incredible. a while is, is also amazing. Guy Godfrey, yeah. They're both amazing. Like, uh, and Catherine Lutz, uh, who did the, uh, the short is amazing, like incredible. And, and, and Guy is as well. Um, so it was like kind of a treat to be able to work with them both. And I was like, I just want to work with those guys. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, and, and I feel like I might be exaggerating a bit, but North Mountain had like a 10th of the budget that Wild had had. Ish. Uh, you a know, ninth? you're doing the most unkind thing, asking me to do math in my head. <laughs> point uh, being, <laughs> point being, Wildhead had a much bigger budget yeah, um, than yeah. North Mountain. How did you deal with that as a director? I have to imagine it came with more people, more responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? Yeah, it's, well, what you said was true. You know, more money, more problems. <laughs> right. Um And especially during COVID when suddenly we needed a whole department for cleaning and screening and, um, you know, helping uh, out with all those aspects. Mm -hmm. So that was an extra added thing on top of everything. It's like, okay, well, that takes away from this or that or raising extra money to to help facilitate that. Um, But more money, yeah, it doesn't just mean like, now there can be 20 car chases. Um, There's one, though. There (laughs) is kind of one. (laughs) Um, you kind of can't do a car chase on that budget. You need like an extra three million. Sure. That's at least what I'm going to pitch Fast in my and next. Furious one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, every car chase in Fast and Furious is a million dollars. It's one wild hit. That's a fact. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the, the way that I approach, um, filming and, and the stories that I tell tend to be mostly rural based things. 
and that money, like the more money just means there can be more crew on hand to help facilitate things and they can we, be, we can be farther away from the city center, mm-hmm. like farther into communities, into forest, you know, um, where these stories are set. We couldn't get quite down to Bear River, but <laughs> not yet. Um, but yeah, that, that that's a big part of it. Uh, and it's amazing how much, you know, of the budget just goes to, you know, people need to, well, you need to pay people properly first. Yes. Then you also need to um, feed them. They, mm-hmm. they like to be fed. Um, number one tip, indie filmmakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I've heard that a lot. If you have no money, <laughs> spend it on food. Spend it on food. Yeah. Um, which is totally true. Uh, and then if you're shooting outside the city, if you're doing night stuff outside the city, especially, like you'll, you'll need to... Um, Put everyone up. Yeah. People need to sleep. Yeah. And then, you know, people need their own rooms and people need... It's kind of like, these are very basic things, but they can cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of goes away quickly <laughs> right um and you did a lot of outside shooting and in, yes. in nova scotia in the summertime which is very hit and miss it's mm-hmm. it's very hit and miss here at all times um how was that <laughs> how'd that go that was a risk kind of that we knew was gonna happen mostly it was fine like we were super super lucky with the weather mostly mm-hmm. um there's like one or two days where it was not super cooperative but it kind of wasn't terrible 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 um, I think at one point there's like a summer shower type thing that happens. Um, or there's it looked like it was rain and then we had like a rain machine. That's something that I've never seen. Yeah, I remember machine. sitting next to someone at the at the um, previous screening and they leaned over. They're like, that's a rain machine. Yeah. Where did they get that? Yeah. You know what that is? It's a hose. <laughs> <laughs> Another pro tip. Get a hose if it's, you need rain. It's a hose like really high up. <laughs> Well, and there's like some attachment to it, but that's what it looks like. I've never seen one. I was like, what is that? They're like, that's the rain machine. I'm like, that? Okay, cool. A tower, rain tower. I can't remember what they call it. They call it, I'm a terrible director. Um, They they call it something. The rain is not your department. Don't worry about it. Everything's my department. (laughs) Um, But even that was kind of like, you know, people were like, oh, no, it's not, the clouds aren't with us. And it's like, we're just going to do it anyway because Mm -hmm. sometimes there are summer showers they happen really quick and then they're gone. Yep. Like, that's a weird thing that happens. So here we are. <laughs> Excellent. So Philip and Joshua, who play the leads, they're both wonderful actors. Had either of them uh, led a film before? No. That's a big thing to put well, on somebody. Um, you know, F- Philip has some experience doing features, doing some indie features. Um, Josh, at the time, I don't believe he did. He, he he has much more experience now. He's been doing a ton of stuff. They've both been doing a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was more based on these were kind of the 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 auditions and the chemistry tests that we did. Yeah. Um, that ended up being like, this guy is awesome. This guy is awesome. And then how do they play together? And they're great together. So then it's kind of like, well, that's all you can Hope for. Totally. Did you do that over Zoom? Uh, yes. Yeah, I did the same thing. And yeah. I was like, well, if they can pop it off over Zoom, uh, yeah. they're going to do it fine on you screen. Know, and that turned out to be true. It's Yeah. It's like yeah. if you, we did all, like they did all of the rehearsals during quarantine on Zoom as well. 
which was nuts. Um, and I was like, I don't know if that's really going to work. I'm not so happy with it. <laughs> um, I'd rather them be doing it in person. And they did They did some in person. Um, actually, they did a lot because they were basically going to rehearse like almost every night after the shoot. Really? Yeah. Was, Why was that? Um, they're just really into the material. Oh, uh, they did, it was like self-directed? Yeah. Oh. Oh, they did lots of stuff that I didn't tell them to do. <laughs> They're just amazing, those guys. That like that, you know. Uh, um, Avery as well, that who plays the younger brother. Like they're just uh, very committed, committed to to uh, acting and to getting into the role and to, you know, just making things as good as possible, mm-hmm. as good as it can be. Yes. And did did I mean obviously this is more of a question for them, but did did the story strike anything in either one of them? Um, I think, yeah, both for both of them, well, for all of them, it, it um, hits something or resonates to, to parts of their own lives in various different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, for Philip and Josh, like th- th- that was, um, they were coming in for, off of the feature script and Avery came in off of the short film. Right. Um, and his role obviously was expanded upon because mm-hmm. um, he had a smaller role. And, well, I mean, he's. Literally smaller. He's <laughs> the younger brother, but um, but yeah, um, we had lots of discussions about how thing how materials relate relate related to their own lives or you know their their own stories or parts of the stories that they, that they really kind of connected to, mm-hmm. and that always helps. Like that's a lovely thing to hear as a director working with actors instead of just kind of like yeah 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 I can totally do this. Mm. Oh, you want he? You want me to be more, you know, terse? I can, I can totally pull that. Out. I'm like, cool, oh, alright. You know, that wasn't the experience. It's, it was, you know, a good, a very open um, and generous collaboration with all of them, which was amazing. And I want it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, this story seems very personal. Is it personal to you? Uh, there are parts that are very personal. Yeah, I, I, I don't say it's autobiographical because, my goodness, a lot of things have changed <laughs> and there's like you know separation between reality and and uh uh the 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 fiction of the story um certainly but there are some one or two things that are like this is an experience that i have had or i'll be talking with someone and sharing a story and they that they that they are bringing to me and you know I'll, of course I always get permission if I'm going to um, use someone's story, sometimes people say, no, that's totally 100% cool. Um, just because stories, they don't all, they're not all mine. They don't all belong to me. People don't want to share them. That's totally cool. But the people that did, um, they're from many backgrounds. Um, so looking at what the content is of the story, it's uh, the themes are very resonant through a lot of different communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's some parts that are, are personal and some some parts are just completely fabricated. <laughs> and then a lot of stuff that was personal just got chopped. Like, we're just, bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you, you represent, as an artist, you represent multiple communities. So, you, you know, Indigenous queer filmmaker, is that something that you're like, yay, I get to take up this mantle? Or is it is it sometimes like too much where you just want to be like, I just make movies? Where do you fall on that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I don't see it as a mantle and I don't see it as something that's frustrating. It's more of a feeling of this is a responsibility 
that I have to my communities, uh, to my community, to my communities, um, to ensure that the things are balanced and proper and presented well, um, to make something as good that brings back good things. It's a lot of film can be taking, mm. like they, the stories just can tend to take, they take, they take, they take. So my goal is always to, um, to give or return something um, to communities. Like that's really my goal with anything, that, uh, indigenous material or um, cultural material or queer material. Um, I wouldn't say I speak for everyone or represent everyone uh, because I can't. It's impossible. Our communities are not monolithic. Mm-hmm. Uh, any community is not monolithic. And uh, I, because I'm part of different communities, um, you know, people don't always agree with what I'm saying or doing. Sure. Just because no one agrees with everyone 100% of the time. Um, but I always kind of keep it in my heart when I'm making work to to be as open and transparent and honest and collaborative as possible. There are constraints in place just because of the mechanisms of industry and economy that kind of present prevent that sometimes, which is um, frustrating. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm still working out how all that works. But, I, but constraints of industry, is that changing? I mean, that's certainly what they want us to believe. Um. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Things are changing. Yeah. Um, uh, these are questions that I have with other people and that I just like lie awake at night and think about myself. And I wonder how much things are changing or if they will ever change enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if you picture a world in which things are more balanced, it's still, is that enough? Um, and one of the things that I, one of the things that I look at is the actual framework of how a film is created itself. Extremely segregated, fractured, hierarchical mechanism, systematized stuff. It's not a circle where people sit and listen to each other and then collaborate and do things like which is what I'm more used to. So this film was kind of striking a balance in between that and sometimes the tips and teeters <laughs> over on one side and over the other, and then people are like, "You have to." finish this, like we're on, like the schedule is falling behind. I'm like, no, I, this needs time. Like this needs space. We need more space and more time. And um, the people I was working with were very good about that, right? They're, they're very collaborative and open to that. That's not always the case mm-hmm. uh, or been the case. Um, and that's one thing. And then the other way, or the other side of, of that equation, I suppose, is the stories, the, the storytelling itself. And the way that we tell stories as filmmakers, and maybe this hedges into like forbidden experimental narrative territories. But if you look at how we consume the stories, the types of stories that we consume, we speak about them in a very, I would say boring mm-hmm. um, and predictable language. One, first act, second act, third act, turning point, inciting incident, climax, denouement, blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Those are, you know, those are tools and they're great tools. Um, they're a specific way of telling a story. And I wonder and worry that that type of storytelling has overtaken and oversaturated and like a lot of things spreads across the world and it wipes out different ways of storytelling and different um, methods and approaches. Like if you watch like um, obscure Thai cinema, Mm -hmm. 
Sure. Um, that can be hard to get a hold of, especially in the 90s, stuff from the 90s or the 80s that, that you know, it's ragtag a little bit rough around the edges a lot of the times. Um, and there, but there's a ton of things. It's very rich. Um, and this is what I find with a lot of, um, places that are developing their, their cinematic language. The early stuff seems to be quite, even though finding its way, interesting, engaging. Mm -hmm. And then over time, it slowly becomes one act, two act, three act. You know, we have to have this happen at a certain time to engage people's interests. People don't have a large attention span. And I wonder then if it's not a problematic system that perpetuates itself mm -hmm. by saying, well, you have this great script, Tara, but we need you to change things so the inciting incident is, happens here or that this is clear or that people know what's happening before it happens. Like that's a big pet peeve of mine. Sometimes a thing can happen and you can learn about it way later at the mm -hmm. end of the movie or maybe mm -hmm. you don't learn about it at all. Mm -hmm. And that's the absolute most sacrilegious thing I've ever said. Well, that's a note that I was getting that I got on a cut where it's like, we don't know why this happened. It's like, just wait four minutes. Yeah, just watch it. Just just watch it. Just sit. Just sit and and be. It's why I never walk out of a movie. Cause, you know, at festivals especially, a lot of people have a 10-minute rule. If you go to a festival that's a press screening, especially, you'll just see people, they all take the end aisle seats because yeah. they want to be ready to run. Oh, I've seen them. <laughs> I go in the middle. Because like I'm like, I signed up for this. I'm not leaving because the first 10 minutes tells you nothing. Mm -hmm. Anything could happen. You know? I remember going to see a film at TIFF years ago um, um, called is it Love in the Time of... Cholera? Cholera. Mm. Love in the Time of Cholera. I, I loved that film. 95% of the press walked out. Um, but it's it's a particular way of telling a story and type of storytelling. And you know, you can ascribe whatever you want to it, slow burn or so on and so on. Um, but I just I'm gonna sit and be immersed in the world and that's it. Like I'm not taking in in stories um to like i always have to know what's going i don't know what's going on in life yeah <laughs> like i don't know what's happening and for me i'm just like oh okay i'll go with it but maybe other people it's the opposite they're like i don't know what's going on in life so i need to know what's going on in my tv show and movie i have a friend that reads wikipedia uh, oh, no. <laughs> recaps before he goes to the movie so he can enjoy it while he's oh. there because he doesn't have to worry about it i'm the type of person that watches law and order and i don't try to guess who did it i'm like they're gonna tell me I it's don't, fine. Yeah, I don't bother. Knives out. It's fine. Yeah, We're going to find yeah. out. I do remember going to a film many years ago called The Village. And um, I went with my friend and we were sitting in the back and there's a lot of people and we're watching it. I'm like, oh, cool. It's like a weird period thing. And I'm thinking it's like maybe a werewolf film because <laughs> that's kind of how it's been marketed. And I'm like, I love werewolves. So I was like, yeah, this is, I'm going to really like this film. And he He's eating his popcorn in the first literally two minutes. He tur he leans over and he spoils the whole plot to it <gasps> just because he was watching the gravestones. Oh. That are at the beginning. He knew. He saw the dates on the gravestones and just leaned over and he's like, I bet this is what's happening. It's some sort of situation like this. And I was like, ah, what? <laughs> and then I looked and I saw the dates and I'm like, ah, crap, he's right. Uh, I saw a movie called Tully, which I really love, starring uh, Charlize Theron and Mackenzie Davis. And we were joking. Like, there was this big reveal at the end that all the press had been talking about. And I, and I leaned over and I was like, what if it's like Fight Club? And it was. <laughs> 
<laughs> there was no fighting, but somebody didn't exist. It's like Fight Club without fights. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Tiff, you're going up for Wildhood. Um, that's where your world premiere is. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I know you've been to Tiff before, uh, but but not with a fe- was North Mountain there. No, no. So so debut feature at Tiff. In this very bizarre time, mm-hmm. how is it going to work? Do you get the big screening? What's your venue? Um, I'm not 100% clear on what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a theater. Okay. I hope. And not. Uh, <laughs> it's not projected in a basement <laughs> not somewhere. not projected in a basement. <laughs> uh, I mean, that in addition to a theater is fine. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it'd be in, in, in a theater, of course. Um, but they have decreased the capacity for... Um, seats due to COVID, mm-hmm. of course, and safety concerns. And they have increased capacity online. There you go. Um, so Just that, where everyone wants to watch stuff. D- yeah, on your computer, <laughs> yeah, on, a, on a teeny screen. And, you know, I was doing, we did all the post remote. So I was. that's how I was watching it. And then we did a test screening. I was there. In the theater. Yeah. And it's enormous. <laughs> and I'm watching and I'm like, oh, no, I there's a ton of work to do because I can't see the even the little eye movements that people make on the little screen. It's really hard for me right. to see that. So in the theater, it's like their eyes are the size of my head yeah. or my body. And it's like a subtle little shift of, of look. I'm like, oh, no, we need to totally retool that. It changes the context of all this stuff. Um, so there's like trimming this and adjusting that. Um, so it's certainly seeing it on a bigger screen. There's always a, a like a luxury to that. Um, even in a, with a projector on your own wall, it's right. better than a little tablet or totally. Um, so, but that's its intended format. Yes, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. must have felt amazing. Yeah, it's like wow, this is a real thing. <laughs> oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's when it kind of all caught up. You get kind of buried in doing the post and going through things and like, this is this and this is the the color and the cut and the pacing and the timing. And then suddenly it's an enormous movie that's like 20 feet tall. And you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a good crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus. (laughs) Um, And what does it mean to you to be opening the film festival here on the 16th? That's that's an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing thing to be able to do. Um, I would have never imagined it. Like I wouldn't, I'd love to be able to say it's always been my dream, but like, I just never imagined I would to do a thing that would open the film festival here. Like I've been applying to AF, well, Finn, um, you will know that I tried not to say it. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the Atlantic, um, Finn, uh, Finn Atlantic, Finn Atlantic International Film Festival. Correct. Finn Afe. Finnaif, uh, the Finnaif. Um, I've been applying uh, probably as a student, so a thousand years ago, um, and you know, getting rejected regularly. <laughs> so, but I cut that. I was cutting my teeth on submission, submitting um, back then, and you know, had a couple shorts in, had uh, some stuff from like my student film at NASCAD and other things play at the festival. So I was like, oh, cool! This is like the first festival. Or one of the very first festivals that um, anything I did ever played at. Sure. So then to be opening it is just, I still don't understand yet. <laughs> um, I probably won't until that very night. And then I'll suddenly start to hyperventilate and go to a corner and curl in a ball. Yeah. 
Um, that's how I feel. <laughs> right. I find the hometown audience, you know, as a musician at least, the scariest one because it's like these people know you. Oh, I th- I find it the opposite because it's it's more like this I did for you know the community here right. and the language speakers. We have sure. a version that's all dubbed amazing in, in Mau, like the whole thing. Um, and I don't know if that will play, but hopefully that's something that can happen um, to have a, that screening or or a version of it play it at the same time. Um, but like to share it with people here and like home community, like that was always kind of my goal. Sure. Um, and you know, the queer community here, two spirit people here, um, filmmakers and you know, everyone else, <laughs> <laughs> the other people. Um, so yeah, it's super, I'm super happy. I will not watch it with them mm. because I can't watch my own work right. at a festival or a theater, which is a bit. I just get too, too worked up. And then I'll like close my eyes and my ears. <laughs> right. So you're just like trying to disassociate while you're in the theater. I'm like, like I might can't as well take not it. be there. <laughs> I can't take it. And I'm like, yeah, I might as well just like go next door and like get a like pasta dish that I never touch and just poke at and like watch across <laughs> through the window. I'm like, they'll come out eventually and then I'll know everything. <laughs> it's true. Just read the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Wildhood's a terrific movie. I loved it from the first moment I saw it back in the winter. A whole different time ago. <laughs> and uh, congratulations on everything and best of luck. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for thanks for driving up. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.